Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. Let's talk business with Ford Lease. Hassle-free vehicle leasing. Search Ford Lease to find out more. We start this morning with a memory and a very sad one. On June 7th, 1996, Detective Garda Jerry McCabe was shot dead in a dare by members of the Provisional IRA. It was a story that shocked the nation because a member of Garda Siakana had been shot in his car outside a dare post office during a botched robbery. His colleague, Detective Garda Ben O'Sullivan, was in the car with him and survived. As we approach the 25th anniversary of this, we're going to hear memories from some people who were deeply affected by it. The following is an extract from a documentary on Live 95, which was produced by David Hurley at the time of its original broadcast. In this segment, you will hear memories from Kieran Clancy, well-known Limerick photographer, and Jerry's wife, Anne McCabe. with a, a sense of, as I said, shock and disbelief that this could have happened and a sense of loss as well, of course, naturally enough, and sadness. i never forget it, you know, the whole thing was incredible, like, just still in your minds, like, here with your, one of your best pals gone. I was expecting to see a roadblock or something at the post office in the main street in there, but I drove right up to the scene. We were, um, quite shocked initially and details are always vague in the initial stages of something of this nature. Limerick Lives, a series of special documentaries examining issues affecting the people of Limerick City and County. He was on the early shift, as you know, and um, I said I might have a cup of tea and he said, well, I'm in a little bit of a rush. So he said, but I'll be back at 10 o'clock. And he never came back. That was the last conversation I had with him. I got a phone call from a friend of mine, Chris O'Neill, uh, I don't know the time, roughly maybe about 7.30 or that, and um, he told me, did I hear anything about uh, two guards being injured in a dare? And I said, no, but I said, uh, I'll call you back. So I tried ringing Henry Street and I couldn't get through. And eventually there was a knock at the door. And uh, I thought it was my children's two friends, Michelle and Frank, because they were doing their junior cert and leaving cert. And... Um, I kind of said, take your time, when they rang the doorbell. So I opened the door myself anyway, and um, it was Inspector John Kearns was at the door. Now, I didn't know him, and it didn't even dawn on me that it was anything got to do with, with Jerry and Ben. And he just asked me my name, and I told him, and he said, who's with you in the house? And I said, uh, Stacey and Ross. And he, I know the colour was kind of gone from his face. He was very pale looking, but... I still didn't click, so he said, uh, well, he said, I have a bit of bad news. And I said, is it Jerry and Ben? And he said, yes. And um, they told me Jerry was dead. I got a phone call early in the morning around half seven from a colleague who had heard there was a, a raid on a post office in Adair. At that stage, we weren't aware there was any guard shot, but we knew there was a serious raid. So on instinct, I just got up, got into my car, drove to Adair straight away and tuned into the radio stations, but there was no news at that stage about any shooting or anyone being dead, in fact. I was expecting to see a roadblock or something at the post office in the main street into there, but I drove right up to the scene unexpectedly to come across the, the jeep uh, behind the guard car and the post office truck in front of that again all stopped in the main street. 
So I arrived up, I pulled in behind, a few yards behind the, the guard car and um, there was a lot of activity going on and there was uh, not too many people around. It was summer morning, it was quite early still. Um, <clears throat> the guard car was still there and in fact I remember the wipers were still in motion and um, there was some tape around the scene and I got out of the car with my camera and looked around to see what, the, what actually had happened because I wasn't sure at that stage what exactly had happened. I wasn't even aware there was anyone shot or dead at that stage. And I met a, another guard on the scene and he said to me, you know, just be careful, don't take pictures of the car close up. And I said, why, what's the problem? And he said, well, Jerry is still in it. And I didn't know who, at that stage who Jerry was. And I said, Jerry who? And he said, Jerry McCabe. To tell you the truth, it was just a blank after that because the house was full of people. Um, my other children were on their way to work. John was in Monaghan and he was on the same shift as Jerry, but he had an extra hour to spare that morning and he heard it on the radio. And Mark heard it on his way to Shannon, and so did Ian. So that's the way we heard it. I got a call from John to say he was on the way down. He asked, he knew that um, Jerry was on at the same time as him and Ben. They had the same unit together. And uh, he rang Roxburgh and he said, um, Is it my dad? And they said, Yes. So he came down from Manhattan then after that. All I wanted to do was see Jerry, you know, but it's just a kind of a blank after that. There was so much coming and going and um was a very good friend of Jerry's had gone on holidays, Keith Lancaster and I just I wanted to see he was very close to, to Jerry and I just wanted to see him and he came back from Spain that night. And um after that I don't remember a whole lot. I just remember the house being full of people and um, somebody must have got his clothes for him and what haven't you, I didn't. voice there of Anne McCabe and we'll hear more of that documentary a bit later in the show and uh, Minister of State and Limerick Fine Gael TD Patrick O'Donovan is on the line now. Good morning to you Patrick. Morning Joe. Well memories come flooding back um, certainly for me and for many others. Um, you would have been quite a young man at the time that this originally happened. I was but you know it's very chilling listening to that because I can still remember that morning like it was today um, because I was on a bus uh, going, going into Limerick City that morning from Newcastle West and the bus was held up for ages uh, between Croke and, and Adair <clears throat> and you know there's events I suppose that, that shape um, your view and things and there's events that shape your 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 your, your outlook there's also events that shape a whole community uh, and I think the murder of Jerry McCabe has definitely shaped uh, Limerick's um, following 25 years and you know, we've done it from Jean times, but again, you know, we, we extend our deepest sympathies to Henry McKay because it's definitely not forgotten in Limerick. And I think when I mentioned it to Heather Humphreys the other morning that um, Jerry's 25th anniversary was coming up and would she come to Limerick, immediately she said absolutely <clears throat> because she comes from a border community and she remembered it very well uh, because, you know, these, um, these guards that go out and, and remember, what was Jerry McCabe doing in the morning that he was murdered? He was escorting post office payments for pensioners and people on receipt of social welfare payments to a uh, post office in my own constituency here in Adair. 
And what was he doing? Minding his own business, looking after the rest of us. And he was murdered in cold blood on the side of the street. And his family uh, destroyed, a whole community destroyed, his colleagues destroyed. Uh, and that memory is as vivid today, as you say, and the memories today is so evocative today. And um, so when I mentioned it to her, she said, absolutely, because, you know, there's a duty falls in the Minister for Justice to, on behalf of the state to show the men and women that wear the uniform uh, of Angarda Shia that the civilian wing of the state falls fully behind the men and women of Angarda Shia Khanna, that the, the law of the land is fully behind them, uh, and that while Jeremy Cabe was murdered um, by people who wanted to subvert the state and, and bring down the state and destroy the state, um, that ultimately the constitution and the Oireachtas fully stands behind the Gardaí and the uh, McCabe family. And Minister, the 7th, um, which is Monday as it happens, Bank Holiday Monday this year, um, what will be happening uh, to mark that moment 25 years earlier? So, look, it's, 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 it's a pity again, no more than with everything else, with this COVID and, 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 and the impact of it. It'll be very simple. Uh, you know, she's coming down to just uh, reflect on it, um, and it'll be very simple. So it's not going to be anything um, uh, big or anything like that. It's just going to be a very simple ceremony uh, that she's going to come down and pay her respects um, on the side of the street in Adair, uh, pay her respects to the family of, of Jerry McCabe, as well as that to show her respects to the, the current uh, members of Angarda Sheikhana through the, the chief superintendent, um, and, you know, his colleagues here in the division, um, in the Limerick division, where Jerry would have served. Um, and, you know, the, those that who he would have, uh, he would have, uh, I suppose, served his time out with. But I'm conscious of the fact that, you know, he was awarded posthumously um, through the, subsequently, the, the mayor of Limerick, my father-in-law, Councillor Stephen Keary, the freedom of the Limerick, uh, of, of Limerick, which is the highest award that the people of Limerick could, could award on somebody uh, from our own ranks uh, as a Limerick person um, and there's no greater honour that can be bestowed on him um, um, yeah. but look it's it's, uh, it's it's 25 years on um, but it's not forgotten right. and I know there's a new generation of Limerick people who don't remember it and that's why it is so important for us to just uh, your radio show Joe this morning there will be people who are under the age of 25 who might ask their parents listening to the radio show this morning who was Jerry McCabe and why are they talking about him? Mm. And that's why this is important. Important to remember too that Detective Guard Ben O'Sullivan was yeah, very lucky not to be killed. He was shot um, repeatedly. Sure, look, how he escaped is a miracle. Um, and again, as I say, you know, if there's, if there's, a, if there's a couple of young people in, in a kitchen listening to this this morning that are turning to their parents or somebody older than them um, saying, who, who's been O'Sullivan uh, and who was Jerry McCabe and who is Anne McCabe because Anne McCabe stepped, stepped out from kind of the, the, the shadows of being the, you know, um, a suburban wife uh, and mother and, um, you know, homemaker and uh, wife to Detective Garda to be this national leader and figure that people looked up to as um, an inspirational woman and leader um, so that a generation of people would say that, you know, this is somebody who had a, a pillar of strength uh, and somebody that pe Limerick people could be very proud of that wasn't going to be um, uh, carrowing in fear uh, of those people who murdered her husband. Um, and there's a generation of people who, who may not necessarily 
have grown up with those images. I mean, we can all uh, remember the the rigid and post Larry, uh, the the bright green and post Larry, with the blue Mitsubishi um, uh, Jeep that rammed the car, um, and then they got out, and we know what they did, um, and it was called blooded murder, and uh, it can be. Uh, uh, I mean, the law might have said it was something else. Well, I mean, Matt, 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 it else. ended up being, as you know, the convictions ended I know up being manslaughter. But I, 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 I just, I mean, just, to make, just to make but that I point. I know but, what it ended up at. And you know what it ended up at. And the people of Limerick know what it ended up at. But can I just, make, can, can, can I just make one point that I think is important here? The context was interesting in the fact that the 90s actually, there were bumps on the road, but the 90s was a period uh, when um, there was quite a lot of hope that we might see the end of violence. You know, the t- talks and the Good Friday Agreement was a couple of years um, later. But um, uh, Jerry McCabe, it became enmeshed with the politics of the following decade, didn't it? It did, and it still does. Um, because I think, you know, that um, when uh, a woman or a man uh, puts on that uniform um um, with a uh, uh, Garda Shia Khan and a hair on it. There is an understanding that those men and women um, have the support uh, of the state uh, behind them because they're going out uh, for 99% of the time in an unarmed capacity. Uh, and they're going out. We have a unique police force show um, that go out uh, amongst our community uh, for 99% of the time in an unarmed capacity because they're going out with the support of the community. Um, and, you know, they did this at a, in the height of a time through the 80s and 90s in particular, when there was a group of people who had, uh, you know, a sworn commitment to subvert the state and destroy the institutions of the state and viewed Angarda Shia as a legitimate target. But they still went out in an unarmed capacity. And this is, you know, it, it, it is totally, you know, look, looking back on it now, it was unbelievable that these women and men did this uh, and, the, the, you know, the, the, the generosity of spirit and the courage that they had. And these are people from our community. You know, they played GEA. There were young women who gave, you know, brought into their, the world their own children. And there were young fathers who went to, you know, they brought their children to the school gate. But in many cases, they were followed to the school gate by people who wanted to murder them. Um, and it is it is unbelievable now, looking back in with the benefit of hindsight in 2020, that we had these people in our community who who were so generous um, and who gave their lives ultimately to our state, to the protection of our state. And I also think today of Seamus Quaid uh, from neighbouring parish here of Fiona Castlemahan, um, guard down in Wexford, uh, played hurling with Wexford, won in All Ireland with Wexford, uh, murdered by the IRA as well. Um, so, you know, we have to think today of those men and women um, and who served in uniforms um, um, of the uh, Irish police force and Garda Shia Khanna, okay. unarmed in, in most cases, right. we, and who gave their lives. Well, particularly Jerry McCabe um, on the side of the street, escorting post office checks for pensioners uh, for the community over there who gave his life for the people of Limerick. Now, Limerick Finnegale TT and Minister of State Patrick O'Donovan still with me. We want to touch on the COVID issue here in Limerick. You and all other Limerick TDs are being called to what's been described as an emergency meeting today uh, with uh, the Chief Medical Officer, Tony Holohan, and the Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly. What do you expect to emerge from that meeting after 103 cases were reported uh, yesterday in Limerick? Well, 
first of all, Joe, I just got a notice late last night of the meeting. So, um, yeah, look, the number of cases has been rising uh, and your show has been uh, broadcasting that, uh, I suppose, on a daily basis for the last fortnight. Um, so the, the chief medical officer and the assistant chief medical officer is meeting us this afternoon. Um, and I, I expect really, to be honest about it, something, uh, an intervention along the lines of what has happened in Donegal, uh, where there has been, a, um, thankfully, um, a reduction in the number of cases because of um, the intervention that was made there where uh, increased public awareness um, and uh, increased intervention from the public health team from the HSE um, where there was uh, additional testing capacity and, and uh, interventions of that nature. But I don't want to preempt what the Chief Medical Officer is going to say because I haven't spoken right. to him. Well, and Minister, I, I can tell you that Chief Medical Officer. we've just been told here that the Chief Medical Officer, Dr Tony Holland, um, that uh, his team have been in contact with us offering Dr Holohan to come on the show here um, this morning and talk to us and we're going to try to facilitate that a little bit later. I have to say... I don't think that's a good sign. Well, look, I mean, I spoke to the Tonister last night in advance of what um, uh, the, the meeting today is. And again, as I say, I haven't gotten any indication from the Chief Medical Officer. Um, so I would imagine that um, the Chief Medical Officer would be speaking to um, the public representatives um, in advance of, of any What does he expect you guys to do, I suppose, is the bottom line? Well, I, I would imagine that he'll tell us that, um, Joe, because the first indication we got of this um, was a text message from Stephen Donnelly last night. Uh, and other than that, uh, I haven't heard anything um, other than a conversation that I had with the Tanisha last night. Now, there's a huge risk attached to this. because let me, let me just finish the question. Because what we have now is we have uh, one message, which is a national message, which is about reopening, and that's important. We understand, and we had Dr. Harry Barry here as an expert in this on with us during the week, talking about the fact that he doesn't believe that the country could sustain another lockdown, particularly after the lockdown that we have just had. We have the vast majority of people in Limerick still doing their best, even in the context of the cautious reopening. And yet we have this surge in cases. And the bottom line is, are we heading for a lockdown? And is that a viable? And is it right? Well, any decision of that nature is a decision for the government. Um, I know, you're um, a minister in the government, that's why I'm asking you. Any decision of that nature is a decision for the government, Joe. Um, and we have been down this road in Donegal, uh, and there was no local lockdown in Donegal. So, um, I mean, I'm going, you're asking me to preempt anything that the Chief Medical Officer is going to say in advance of a meeting that I haven't had with him. So, I mean, as soon as I've had a discussion with the Chief Medical Officer, I have no problem in coming back to you. Um, but what I can say is that the situation in Limerick, um, which, as you've been reporting over the last number of years, is bad. Uh, and I heard other local radios um, this, this morning reporting it as well, including from GPs in the west and south of the county saying it's bad as well. So it's not confined to any particular area. We know that there are schools in the county that are closed uh, and there, it is a city issue as well. So it isn't particular to any particular geographical part. The only thing we can say is that the vast majority of the more vulnerable age cohorts, which are over 65, are vaccinated, which is the most important thing. Um, and, uh, you know, the numbers in hospitals across the country and across the region is stable, which is a good thing as well. Um, well I suppose the, the thing is, is that people will feel, and you know this better than I do, you know, your constituents will feel that they have gone through hell and back yeah, and they have absolutely. made enormous sacrifices. And, and the prospect now, and, and listen, there's no point pretending it's not a possibility 
hopefully it, it will turn out, as you say, after your meeting today, that it's more you are all being asked as a group of TDs to warn us further, although I don't know how much more people need to be told about this. But the prospect of Limerick, um, the, the economic and social impact of it being separated from the rest of the country in some form of further restrictions, it's, it's an appalling vista. It is an appalling vista, and it's a vista that we haven't come to yet, Joe. So you're, you're jumping ahead of yourself. But there's I, I, also... I, oh, no, hang on, Minister. No, come on, no. I'm, I'm, I, like, I, I'm not, I know, hang on a second, no. I'm not, exa- I'm not, excuse me, no. I am not exaggerating this in the context no, uh, of the seriousness of the situation, which uh, we have been told consistently for the last two weeks Joe, is very serious. Joe, your, your listeners are anxious to know what the Chief Medical Officer will say, so let's not preempt what the Chief Medical Officer will say, and you're presupposing that. But just get one thing straight. We do have politicians nationally and locally who are saying there's no need for any restrictions of any sort and throw up and everything at the moment. Um, and that is fueling part of the problem. Um, that, you know, we should unwind everything now, open up everything now. Uh, and some of those people, you know, have a case to answer as well. Uh, and we now know that the situation in Limerick, um, you know, proves the fact that this contrary to what people might believe, that the virus actually hasn't gone away. And that young people can get sick and do get sick. So that when politicians, including those locally, who say that there is no need for any restriction and a a young person presents in hospital, which is happening and is the case, I mean, an explanation from them is something that may be something that you might be able to flesh out as well. What is your message, I suppose, to the vast majority of people in Limerick who have worked very hard on this? What's your message to the local business community who are fearful? I saw Donica Hurley, who is uh, the current president of Limerick Chamber, and he's the manager of the Absolute Hotel, saying that yesterday evening they were getting cancellations, people who had booked, because there is a worry now from people coming in from outside Limerick. What's your message to them? My message to them is that, look, we, we, first of all, we have to take this on a step-by-step basis. Um, and the, the next step is we have to engage with the chief medical officer um, and to see, we know the, the, where the data is, um, but we have um, seen situations in a particular context in other parts of the country where this has also happened. So, you know, I'm anxious to speak to the chief medical officer myself later on this afternoon um, to see what it is that he has uh, suggested. I've already spoken to the Tarnish in relation to this, uh, but the government have, have also said previously um, in relation to moving forward, uh, how this can be done in relation to a catch and trace. Um, so it, there was a similar situation in Donegal, um, and you know there is a precedent in relation to how um, these things can be dealt with on a localised basis. So I'm anxious to see, first of all, um, how this compares, how the Limerick situation compares at the moment to Donegal. Um, and until I speak to the Chief Medical Officer, you know, and later on and hear what he has to say, Really, Joe, I'm speaking in a vacuum, uh, and I prefer to wait and hear what he has to say. And I think that, you know, it, there's a fairness to businesses, to individuals, and others. But we're dealing here, and I think, you know, Joe, from previous experiences dealing with me, we're dealing with a virus here that really doesn't care uh, where it lands or who it lands and what it deals with. Um, and, you know, devices of politicians and others uh, is, is uh, not really relevant to the, to the, the, the behaviour of the virus. Uh, we know that, I mean, it, 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 even though Britain's vaccine programme is well ahead uh, of Ireland, it has taken off in other parts of the United Kingdom and is playing havoc in parts of the UK as well. 
Right. Uh, so I'm just anxious to hear what okay. he has to okay. say. Okay, well, listen, I tell you, you know, we were hoping to do a much happier programme this morning than it's turning out, but anyway, we'll see how it goes. All right, thank you very much, Minister Patrick O'Donovan, Minister of State, and Limerick Finnegale TD for that. As Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. Let's talk business with Ford Lease. Hassle free vehicle leasing. Search Ford Lease to find out more.